0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Today we talk to an author who's also a fisheries biologist. His name's Paul Radonsky. He's the author of the book, Walleye, A Beautiful Fish of the Dark. And we'll talk all about walleyes with Paul next. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Paul Bunyan Country. Well, today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we are talking about a book. A book that I would think a lot of anglers up here would be interested in. It's called Walleye, A Beautiful Fish of the Dark. And it's written by Paul Radomsky. He is a fisheries biologist. Paul, thank you for joining us today, first of all.
1: Yeah, wonderful to be here. Thanks for the
0: invite. So, Paul, you've been involved in uh, fisheries uh, for a long, long time and biology for a long, long time. How many years have, uh, have you been involved in it?
1: Oh, it's starting to add up. I think I'm, I'm about thirty-six years professionally, and uh, of course, I was interested in fish as a as a young lad, and enjoyed fishing at a very young age with my parents. So it's it's been a life of of fish in lakes and rivers. So it's it's been a, an interesting journey.
0: Well, and and a lot of it has involved. Uh has involved uh, walleye, as I'm looking at this book that uh, you were able to pen 237 pages, and that's without the epilogue uh, about the walleye. So obviously, walleye is something you you care deeply about. Oh yeah,
1: I could have kept going to it. <laughs> like they had a they had a word limit, so I already exceeded that. I'm like, oh, I could write a whole other chapter on another fishery, like Lake of the Woods, or any any number of ones, because there are. There are so many great walleye fisheries around here and uh, in in areas that I fished. It's like you want to cover it all, but, you know, there's there's only so many pages you can use. So that was fun.
0: So tell me a little bit about how you decided you wanted to put this stuff on paper. Well, it was was
1: really kind of weird because uh, I had written a book called for Living, and um, and it was... uh, several years ago it was on how to, how to live along lakes and how to protect lakes and whatnot. And so the University of Minnesota Press editor called me um this was about 2019 he says hey what are you doing are you, you know, let's, let's talk so we met over coffee and he, he was bouncing ideas around he goes you know University of Minnesota Press has a wonderful book on, on Northern pike. it was written by Rod Pierce who um Used to work for the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Great book, talks about biology, a uh, pike, and he goes, "You know what? The press does not have a book on law. It's the steak fish. We need a book on law." He says, "You know what? You you actually do. You need to get somebody to write that book." And, and he asked me, "Well, would you be interested?" I go, mm, "Maybe," <laughs> um, and I. <laughs> So we, we chatted about other things, and, and we left, and uh, I said, oh, after thinking about it, I go, yeah, that would be fun kind of thing to do. I mean, we got some great experiences, and, and I know a lot of great walleye biologists. I think I could probably pull that off. So about a week later, I sent the editor a, a, you know, an outline of what a book would look, and he goes, oh, it looks pretty good. Start it. <laughs> and it just went from there, and, it was, and I actually wrote it very quickly. So it was um, it was. It was really fun to do and what I enjoyed most is is talking to um, fisheries biologists um, across the, the state, across other states and just understanding some of their experiences and it allowed me to get a deeper appreciation of the fish and the challenges of wallet of walleye management and managing people for good walleye fishing. So it was it was really fun to do. But I don't I, I didn't I didn't intend to do it. It was, I just asked and I had, I had no ability to say no. So it's one of my weaknesses, you know, if somebody <laughs> asked me to do something. I just, okay, I do it. But it turns out to be a good thing in this case. I think.
0: So how, uh, how long has the book been out? Uh, it came out in September. Um, so it's, you know,
1: about, about six months now. And, um, uh, and I've been talking to people and, um, you know, they seem to enjoy it. So, um, got a lot of great facts in it you know it's got three good stories at the end related to Lake Winnebago, um, Mille Lacs and Red Lake so you know it covers kind of a, the Midwest gamut but I bring in fisheries like Lake Erie and some of the other fisheries that are really big walleye fisheries and, and you know talk about the biology to talk about how to catch walleye um, it, but it's not a walleye fishing book it's it's trying to get people to understand, you know, the life history of how Walleye, you, how you go about managing it, some of the challenges associated with management. But it gives you a full picture, I think, on, on Wallace and it's got some great pictures as well.
0: It does have some great pictures. Uh, And, you know, the the thing that I'm I'm looking at here, I love the way it's laid out, the fish of interest just kind of telling us about the walleye moving into management and then those stories, as you mentioned at the end. We'll talk about those in a bit. But I'm kind of curious as to, you know, your experience with people over the years, uh, even people who maybe fish walleye a lot or, or live here and have lived most of their lives here. What is the one thing about walleye that most people probably don't know?
1: Well, I think it's one thing that they don't know is that there's a crazy reproductive strategy for walleyes, and and I think a lot of people's mentality is, you know, as it relates to people or other uh, other animals that they know—dogs, cats, or deer or something like that. You know, and it's so you know, female walleye will spawn every year in the spring, and it, it. depending on its size it can deposit tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of tiny yellow brown colored eggs and um, and if on many good walleye lakes if all those eggs that were spawned and fertilized and hatched and grew to adults there would be no room in the lake for water <laughs> it's just this crazy strategy that people just have a hard time comprehending you know and, and a, a lot of other things as you know like the growth rate how long they live all those kinds of things are a little fuzzy for a lot of people you know how many how many you know how many uh, fish do they eat you know and whatnot so a lot of those details i think are are foreign to to a lot of anglers, just because it's not something they see every day even the fact of if you ask somebody you're pointing to a lake, say a thousand acre lake, you know how many how many walleye do you think are in that lake? And uh, you get wide ranging values that are just insanely crazy. And you know sometimes, hey, where are you coming from? You know, it's like <laughs> how many how many think how many wally do you think in this lake holds? So those kinds of facts, I think, I think just people aren't exposed to it and. Uh, don't have a good sense of that. And since you can't see walleye most of the time, you know, they're in the water, um, some of that's pretty obscure to people.
0: Um, w- one of the great quotes I heard, it was Andy Haves, he is the uh, aquatic biologist in Bemidji State, he was actually quoting somebody else, and you, you, I thought of it when you talked about if every one of those walleye eggs hatched and uh, made it to adulthood, that, you know, there'd be no room for water. Um, the quote was, the average fish is dead. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you, that's another thing, another demographic thing that people don't really appreciate. You know, like um, for the human population, we, you know, about 1% of the population dies you know, every year. Um, but for walleye, adult walleye, you know, 20 to 25% of those adult walleye die every year from natural causes. You know, it might be disease. Might be starvation, um, a whole host of factors, because they're living in a wild environment, um, and and I don't think people appreciate, you know, the the strangeness of, you know, how fast fish are dying from from natural causes, and uh, yeah, you know, he's right, Andy's right, he's a smart guy, he's, uh, he knows a lot about walleyes.
0: Um, So this Again this is This is a great book Walleye management Um, And I think that's One of the things That I've seen In the 30 some years I've done this show Is just How much uh, That has gotten More sophisticated Even in the last 30 years And the understanding That different lakes Different ecosystems Require different Types of management Right Right I
1: think I think that's That's very important I think that's what what fisheries biologists have learned through time is you got different growth rates of walleye. They grow at different rates. They have different densities. They experience different fishing pressure. And um, some of our large walleye lakes in the area, you have to be a little bit proactive in managing those. Um, but you don't want to stockpile too many fish because that can reduce the vitality of those populations. So those kinds of things, um, you know, we're we're learning more every day about how to better manage people for better walleye fishing. And sometimes that's a challenge. I mean, if people come in with their own preconceptions of how you can improve walleye fishing, right? I mean, well, what's typically heard these years ago was, well, you just need to stock it. <laughs> like, well, you know, there's, you know, and they say, well, it can't hurt, but you know, in some cases it actually will. I mean, There's only so much room or carrying capacity in a lake. And if you add fish on top of it, you're going to reach some law of diminishing return and you're just going to waste those precious fish. And then I got a whole chapter on this on stocking. And then um, if you stock on top of natural reproducing walleye populations, you could actually suppress the walleye population. You end up with less walleye in the lake. So you're damaging the fishery. So I had interviewed Pete Jacobson. We've done a lot of walleye stocking evaluations for the state of minnesota and it's just fascinating that you know stocking is not the silver bullet and it can in fact can damage a fishery. so be careful where you use it
0: one of your chapters was called the long emergency protecting wild walleye habitat uh explain what you mean by long emergency well
1: you know we, we just take it you know we just as I'm looking around the landscape, I see, you know, close to my house here, uh, 80 acres just disappeared of forest, and it's now potatoes, and um, and that has consequences on water quality. So you get more runoff, you got more nutrients flowing downhill to, to streams and to the rivers and into lakes, and that that comes at a cost. And um, you've got some some lakes that are large urban centers on their shores, and you look where that runoff goes, right? I mean, um, you're in Bemidji, and where does downtown Bemidji runoff go? It's coming off the streets. It goes right into the lake. Um, And that has serious implications for long-term, the long emergency, as I was talking about, uh, for water quality. Now, you don't see it happening right away from that, but accumulative years of that that runoff from the loss of forest, from urbanization, from how people are treating their shores near the lake with the lawn in the lake, those have consequences on water quality that they might not see immediately, but over time it accumulates and starts creating a problem for walleye. And there's there's other big time stresses for for walleye, you've got changing climate and other effects that are, are really going to force us to rethink, you know, where can walleye really flourish well, and what can we do to minimize both the pollution that's getting into our water um, so that we still have quality quality fisheries. So look, you know, and I think that's cha- a challenging thing. I think we're coming to grips with how do we, how do we manage our lands and our landscape. such that we still have great economies, but we don't uh, endanger the things that we really love. That is, we love we love our lakes, and but and we love it walleye fishing. But um, that means if you if you if you care about you, you need to protect it and uh, restore those places that um, are um, are doing a poor job of managing
0: those kinds of things. Okay. Um. You know, uh, again, this is all fascinating stuff, and I, I know you've been, in, in, you know, immersed in in walleye and fisheries for m- much of your life. Um, but when you're researching this book, did you learn anything new that surprised you?
1: That's that's a great question. I uh, what I what I really appreciated was um, how how people can go about managing wildlife better. And the examples I use, um, Winnebago and Red Lakes, was that the community got together, that cared, and worked together to actually produce a better fishery or to protect the fishery. And I think people underappreciate the fact that it takes... It takes a group of folks to actually pull that off. And Winnebago is a great example. where You've got a lot of fish clubs, and you got got uh, Wisconsin DNR, who are essentially partners in restoring, and in this case, a lot of the walleye spawn on spawned in Wolf River that flows into the system and on Upper Fox River. So those groups, in cooperation with the DNR there, they work to restore the river and its floodplains, and they've been doing it for like 50 years, 60 years. It's just fascinating how they've they've managed this partnership for a long time, and as you know with the Red Lake situation, um, where you had tribal and state interests, they came together um, to restore the law of fishery and to, to manage it together such that um, each knows what the other is doing, and they're working for a single goal—that is, good fishing for both, for both interests, really. So I found that because I didn't really appreciate, I, you know, I, I I knew a lot about Red Lake and and a little bit about Winnebago, um, but uh, what I learned was the the, um, the need for good relationships and, and to, to do that, and where you have conflict. And in the lack of working together, like on the wax things didn't work out as well. And that's the contrast that I do in those last three chapters. So that that's one thing that I learned. There's there's some interesting biology that I learned that I got into details of the walleye a little bit. You know, walleye have large eyes. That's the most prominent feature and when you look at a walleye. Its pupil is fixed in size and rimming, and it has a luminescent golden ring, and uh, it has this back of the eye reflector. And I got into, you know, what kind of wavelengths do the wall eyes see? You know, it's cyan to green, and this is how it happens. That's the wavelength of light that goes further deep, you know, into the water column. So, you know, I learned of some of the some of the basic biology, again, that some of it that I forgot, but some of it that I added to. So it was really fascinating just to, to dig into some of that research and then explain it so that you know, both anglers and biologists can understand it.
0: We are talking with fisheries biologist Paul Radomski about walleye and his book, Walleye, A Beautiful Fish of the Dark. A lot more to cover with Paul next. I'm Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. I'm proud of the efforts my fellow guides and I make to help Kev Jackson sound like he has a clue. This is Paul Bunyan Country. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business... Health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide.
1: I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, musky bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts visit
0: Bemidji one step further. I'm Chuck Hasse, Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. We are back with Paul Radowski, author of the book, Walleye, A Beautiful Fish of the Dark and a Fisheries Biologist. And Paul, as we look at uh, the future here, one of the things that we're, we're experiencing is this incredible uh, technological case, uh, and that's across the board in all aspects of our world, but we're certainly seeing it with the uh, sonar and the electronics and all that stuff. And, and there's been a lot of talk about it over the past couple of years. Plus, you know, gear's better. Everything's better. Um, does that concern you at all?
1: Yeah, I think that that notion comes up, you know, periodically through time, right? Our boats have gotten, you know, better, but it's somewhat, it's gone in phases. Like, all of a sudden, they got really good, Um you know, sonar, you know, first you had the flasher and now all of a sudden it's really good with side scanning, you know, and all the other um, technology related to sonar, which is really fascinating, which allows people to see where walleye are a lot better and to target walleye so they could be more efficient in their fishing. So I think this is a this occurs um, a lot. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I know we've I know you have to adapt to that, right? You have mm-hmm. to be cognizant that that the technology is changing. And I think there is a small component of of anglers that 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 really do well with those advances in technology. And it is interesting for law is that um, very few anglers catch most of the laws. Uh, most uh, walleye anglers, when they go out for out fishing for walleye, generally catch zero to two fish. You know, and angler catch rates are, you know, about a quarter a walleye per hour, one walleye per every four hours of fishing. And um, you know, that's that's that hasn't changed dramatically over time. That is, there's still an unequal distribution of walleye harvest by angler, and um, and I, I don't. I think the technology is probably going to accentuate that a little bit because some people will will use that technology to the fullest, right? Mm-hmm. You compare a, a professional walleye angler to your average walleye angler, and you get dramatically different angler catch rates, and uh, that's meaningful. So I think I think we have to think of that. And uh, the challenge is that fisheries management tools are pretty crude. What do we, What do we have for Regulations have got creel or bag limits, right? Mm-hmm. And um, those, you know, how effective any creel limit reduction for conservation of law depends on the harvest rate and the magnitude of the reduction. And since so many law anglers are not catching many fish for many lakes, um, you have to be, you know, a substantial reduction in the creel limit to have an effect. Now other lakes where walleye you know, are often in, in higher densities or, or further north because they're more catchable, um, walleye creole limits have can have a meaningful impact. But the tool isn't appropriate. You know, it may have little consequence when you change those or reduce those creole limits in other places. And I think that's the challenge. What other tools do you have? I, uh, length limits is is something that's growing, and you're seeing more lake lake limits for a while across the North America, and I think you know we, we, fisheries management has been experimenting to find you know that balance where lake limits protect some element of the adult population, but not so much that it suppresses the vitality of those populations. So I think. I think those are the two tools that are often used, and you may need to get more advanced. Um, the province of Alberta has a tag system where you you go into a lottery if you get a you get a tag, then you can actually harvest walleye. But if you don't, if you're not successful in such a a, a lottery, then you can only fish, catch, and release. So. So I think there's there's things that fisheries management are doing now to address it, and there could be other techniques in the future that can regulate some of those um, very um, uh, popular walleye fisheries that see a lot of angler effort.
0: I think one of the uh, uh, unique ironies i've I've seen over the years is anglers who are, you know, more invested in a species like, a, you know, members of the Walleye Alliance or uh, Bassmasters or uh, different things like that, you know, they, they, they really love that, uh, a specific species, they are more likely to want more regulation than an average angler does.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like a study I recently saw where uh, they asked very rich college students what was the average income of the population, and they like were way off you know they are really high mm-hmm. so when you talk to professional anglers their experience is they're catching a lot of walleyes so they go oh everybody must be catching a lot of walleye. we should do something about it but you're right I think because they see see um, their cohorts their colleagues that are professionals catching a lot of walleye, you know they see the need to, to do something and it's probably to their best interest as well right I mean if they're guiding fish, fish you know, anglers, um, you know, spread those fish out a little bit on those popular waters where you can. So I, I, I you know, but they could do that voluntarily too, right? They don't need yeah. to catch, they don't need to harvest six And Many, many guides don't do that anyway. You know, they're they're out for quality fishing, not necessarily to bring up, you know, cooler homeless fish.
0: Yeah. And most of them are that way, that's for sure. Yeah. Well. Well Paul, uh, many of us, myself included, have always said to ourselves, you know, I'm going to write a book someday. So <laughs> tell me Paul, how do you write a book? <laughs> well, you know, what I
1: find is just stay focused, sit down and just do a couple pages a day, and then start the next day by revising those pages and then write a couple more pages and pretty soon it adds up to a whole book. It's just it's just dedicating the time to do it and um, not looking at your phone or not looking at you know your uh, your social media and just and just stay focused. And I would encourage everybody to do it. I think the the thing about writing is it forces you to do rational thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't write anything down, you know you're just doing it and spinning it in your head. Um, the writing will force you to think clearer and and to bring those thoughts. Um, upfront. Few people are smart enough to understand and appreciate the world without writing the details down, whether it's about walleye or about things you love. So writing it down, I think is a really good thing to
0: do. Okay. Well, and in your case, uh, they kind of searched you out or searched somebody out to publish uh, this book, but uh, getting published, I think, would also be a difficult thing. I know there's more and more self-publishing done.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy world we live in with books. I think there's like four million books published each year, and a big chunk of those are now self-published. So it's a competitive, you know, market for books right now. And you know, there's people that love to read, and, and um, you know, there's there's a dedicated group of folks that will, will buy and read books. So, but it's a it's a, a lot of people like to write too. So you know, it's finding that mix. In and, and a very tight market.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's now. Um, y- you mentioned the, you know, the uh, write a c- couple down, rewrite them, that type of thing. Um, did you take any classes? Did you did you do any research on the writing process, or is it just something that kind of came natural to you?
1: Uh, I don't think it. Con- I didn't. It didn't come natural to me at all. <laughs> I think. I think as a scientist, part of. You know, a job of a scientist is to write your science down, to write your research down. So, you know, I do research papers, um, you know, regularly. So that that's writing, but that's a whole different kind of writing than you're writing for, you know, the public. You're writing very concise, very focused. You know, here's the intro, here's the methods, here's the results and here's the implication of those results. Very formulaic. Um, Writing a book is either freedom, and I think I found that somewhat uh, helpful um, in that um, it's not as difficult as as writing a scientific paper or a peer-reviewed paper. So um, I just encourage, if anybody's interested, the more you do it, just like anything else, practice. Practice, practice. The better you get, and and if you want to be a, a writer, is make sure you're reading quite a bit. You know, you know, read various different kinds of of um, of, uh, of books, whether it's novels or nonfiction. Just get a diversity of, of reading, and and some of that you'll just you'll just pick up naturally, and and then start writing it. Start writing your thoughts down.
0: The book is called Walleye, A Beautiful Fish of the Dark by Paul Radomsky, and uh, it has three parts, the fish of interest, Uh, The Walleye Management and uh, Walleye Fisheries, and and those are the three examples of different fisheries and the challenges they faced. I think if you're a walleye fan or just live in Minnesota, I mean, even people who don't fish understand the importance, I think, of fishing and walleye in Minnesota. Uh, It's a a great book and, and some really good information in there. Paul, if people want to get the book and take a look at it, how do they go about doing that?
1: Well, you can uh, buy it online. Uh, University of Minnesota Press has a secure website where you can purchase it from, but you've got other online uh, venues such as Amazon and others. Um, So you can purchase it online, or you can can go to your local bookstore and ask for them to to get it on their shelves if they don't have it. Um, And you can always, if you don't want to buy it, you can always ask your library and, and borrow a book and read it.
0: All right, and and Paul, uh, you gonna you gonna be in the biology business for a while yet? Oh yeah, many years I hope. <laughs> so so you're not you're not hanging it up and, uh, and and you know creating a book series or anything.
1: <laughs> no, that's not the plan. I, I love doing science. I love being a fisheries biologist, and I I'd like to continue that for a while yet.
0: All right. He's Paul Radomsky. Walleye, A Beautiful Fish of the Dark is the book. Paul, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, loved having you on the show and really enjoyed your book.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the conversation. Great to talk to you.
0: Born country, Country.